you're listening to the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Friday, December 27, 2019. It is Football Friday. The holiday season continues to roll on here. I'm Kevin McGuire, your host here on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, welcoming you to our Cotton Bowl preview episode, where we're going to take a look at the Penn State matchup against the Memphis Tigers on Saturday down in the Cotton Bowl. But we also have some news to get to with a new offensive coordinator hire for the Nittany Lions. And we'll take a look at some of the other bowl games that are going on this weekend, including the college football playoff semifinal game. So lots of stuff to get into in today's episode. To make sure you never miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe in your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, and many more using our RSS feed. Leave a rating, leave a review, let us know what you like about the show, and it does help promote the show on those various podcasting apps. So we appreciate any feedback and support you guys can lend us. And we also want to make sure you're a part of the show as well. So make sure you get your questions in by following us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. So again, lots of stuff to get into in today's episode. We've got our Cotton Bowl preview and prediction. So let's get started. In a previous episode of this podcast, I took a look at the offensive coordinator search that Penn State was undergoing, and I made a statement suggesting that I didn't think that Penn State would make it a hire at the offensive coordinator position until after the Cotton Bowl was played. Well, turns out I was completely wrong on that one because on Thursday, Penn State announced the hiring of offensive coordinator Kirk Sharaka. I hope I said that correctly. If not, I'm sure somebody will correct me. But he comes over from Minnesota, where he was a longtime assistant under P.J. Fleck, both at Minnesota and at Western Michigan. So Penn State has officially plucked the offensive coordinator from Minnesota. They didn't have to go outside the Big Ten to find their next offensive coordinator fit for the Nittany Lions moving forward. And it's an interesting hire. It certainly did not register with me as one of the candidates that I think Penn State was going to look for. I thought maybe they would look outside the Big Ten, but certainly given some of the success that we've seen Sharaka have running the offense, both in Minnesota and going back to his time at Western Michigan with P.J. Fleck, there are a lot of things to like here. Now, if you've, you've been following Minnesota this season in particular, of course, you saw Penn State against Minnesota. You saw what Minnesota was capable of doing. They had a pretty effective offensive game plan. Now, obviously, they took a couple losses down the stretch of the season that kind of held them back from some of their bigger aspirations that it looks like they could potentially have been on the line for. But the offense has been one of the big reasons why Minnesota has been as competitive as they have been in such a short period of time under P.J. Fleck. And you saw it in that Penn State game. They've got wide receivers. They've got a quarterback. uh, Maybe not the world beaters at those various positions, but fully capable weapons ready to go. And they had a good offensive game plan from the start. So I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that this is a good fit, I think, for Penn State moving forward. It's certainly a good offensive coordinator hire as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if it's somebody that a lot of people are overly excited about or not, but I think if you take a deep look at some of the benefits that Sharaka brings to the table here, I think it's a, I think it's a good fit for Penn State moving forward and James Franklin. Certainly, you're bringing in a coach who has a vast knowledge of what it takes to uh, coach in the state of Pennsylvania. That's always a good thing to have because if you look at the recruiting, you know, Penn State has been landing a lot of recruits from outside of Pennsylvania in, in some key states, such as Maryland and Virginia 
and of course, uh, New Jersey, they're having some success there. Maybe you want to have a little bit more success in Pennsylvania. We'll see how well that plays out, if it makes an impact or at all. But he does have a, a good good coaching history uh, from all levels of college football, too. I mean, he coached at Delaware Valley College as assistant. He coached in the Ivy Leagues with both Penn and Princeton. He was a part of the Delaware staff with Joe Flacco back in the day, taking Delaware or helping to take Delaware under Casey Keeler to a national championship. And of course that later led to his time with uh, temple. He's been at Western Michigan, of course, under PJ Fleck, and he's been with PJ Fleck uh, up until now. So this is a guy that has coached all various levels of college football and certainly is familiar with the region that Penn state is typically going to be in because obviously he's coached in Pennsylvania with Penn and Delaware Valley college. And of course, the nearby Delaware and Princeton He's also has some experience uh, coaching at Rutgers under former and now current Rutgers head coach Greg Schiano. And this to me was actually kind of interesting because Greg Schiano, of course, who was recently brought back to Rutgers to become the head coach again. And he's still putting together that program. He's still putting together his staff and you know maybe reuniting with one guy that has had some success, certainly in the Big Ten, as recently as Pete Chiraca has. Probably could have been a good fit for Rutgers. And I don't know if Rutgers was interested or Graciano was interested in reuniting with Sharaka, but you know, if he was, I think it's a good get for Penn State because it takes away an offensive coordinator that's been having some good seasons uh, running offenses, uh, taking him away from a potential, I'm not going to say a threat in the Big Ten East, but certainly. Uh, it, makes it a little bit more difficult, maybe potentially for Rutgers to get some, uh, catch up some ground at all. And obviously Rutgers has a lot of ground to catch up. I'm not saying that Penn State nabbed this guy just because Rutgers could potentially have hired him, but it is kind of nice to see a guy that has had some success uh, with the Rutgers program as well. Uh, with Greg Schiano. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how that all works out, but it just feels like a, a good hire to me. You know, I'm not saying it's hands down going to make Penn State's offense the, the best offense in the country or the Big Ten as soon as 2020, but I don't really see too many downsides here. Maybe you were thinking of a, a younger guy, I guess, uh, maybe a little bit more uh, notoriety around the country to be your offensive coordinator. But you know what? Sometimes the best hire is not always the flashy hire. Uh, so sometimes it's all about the fit. And we'll see where this goes. Obviously, he's not going to be coaching uh, Penn State's offense uh, this weekend in the Cotton Bowl. I don't know if he's going to continue on with Minnesota's bowl game or not. I, I don't know if that was clarified as of the time of recording this. And if it was, I apologize. But uh, obviously, he'll be here for the spring. He'll get situated uh, very soon after the bowl season is complete uh, from Penn State's end and Minnesota's end, I'm guessing. And Penn State's got an offense coordinator. So they made the hire a little bit sooner than I anticipated. But that's the bottom line. And now Penn State can go ahead and start building that offense, which I've said before, I think has a lot of potential in 2020 to be pretty good with some of the young players they have and some of the incoming talent they'll continue to have, uh, especially with the early enrollees this spring. I think this is going to be a pretty good offensive season for Penn State coming up in 2020. And now they've got their offensive coordinator in Kirk Shiroka to run the show under James Franklin. So lots to look forward to, I think, with Penn State's offense moving forward. Obviously, we'll get a taste of that in the spring and see what they have in store next fall. But for right now, it's all about one game. And that's the Cotton Bowl against the Memphis Tigers. A very challenging game upcoming here for the Nittany Lions. 
We're going to talk about that in the next segment. I'm going to give you my rundown and my official prediction for the game. Christmas may be behind us, but the holiday season is still in full swing, and maybe you're still looking for some gifts for some people you haven't seen this holiday season. If you are looking for last-minute fun sports gifts for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. They're great for all fans. Go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Then search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. Penn State's taking on the Memphis Tigers, the 12-1 American Athletic Conference champions in this year's Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic down in AT&T Stadium, home of the Dallas Cowboys in Arlington, Texas, this Saturday, December 28th at high noon Eastern. It's going to be the prelude to a full day of college football playoff activity, but if you're a Penn State fan, you're only focused on the one game where Penn State is a seven-point favorite going in. The Memphis Tigers are a dangerous offense, and I've said this time and time again, and now I'm going to tell you some things about them that maybe you need to pay attention to going into this game. Memphis brings a top 10 offense to the biggest bowl game in their program history. Makes for quite an intriguing matchup against this Penn State defense, of course. Tigers spent all season racking up yardage and points with a 480.7 yards per game and 40.5 points per game. Memphis is one of eight teams this season averaging at least 40 points per game this season. Uh, a couple other conference opponents that they have uh, had the same averages include UCF and SMU. SMU just had a miserable bowl performance, by the way, this season, while UCF had uh, quite a good bowl, <laughs> bowl performance. Uh, so you know, it seems like UCF is still rolling just fine, so don't forget about them moving forward. But Memphis is the team to beat uh, in the AAC this year, and uh, they proved it uh, because of their offense. Their offense continues to be so dynamic. It all starts with their quarterback in Brady White, who I think is going to have uh, a pretty good performance here against Penn State, especially if the secondary can't tighten things up. Brady White uh, passed for 3,560 yards and 33 touchdowns this season. He's very productive. Uh, he's been inter intercepted just nine times, so he does not turn the football over very often. Uh, if Penn State can make him uh, get some uh, pressure uh, or perform under pressure, maybe they can force a turnover because he has, he has thrown an interception in each of his last four games that Memphis has played. So uh, while he's thrown nine interceptions this season, four of them have come in the last couple of games here that Memphis has played, including two games against Cincinnati in the regular season finale and the American Athletic Conference championship game. So uh, he's been a little bit more prone to turning the ball over. And if that ends up being the case and that trend continues into this Cotton Bowl, then that could bode well for Penn State. Uh, his passing accuracy has trended in the wrong direction the last few games of the season, but I think having some of the time off probably benefits him and the entire passing game as Memphis looks to strike early and often against this Penn State defense, which has been a problem at the start of games. We've talked about this on the podcast. You know, Penn State's offense uh, in that last month of the season, Minnesota, Indiana, Ohio State, they've given up some long drives that have resulted in some points to start those games, you know. Down, uh, giving up two long touchdowns to Minnesota on their first two possessions. Uh, hey, Pete Chiraca, or Kirk Chiraca, there you go. Uh, just something to look forward to. Indiana did the same thing. Ohio State had two long drives, obviously one of them ending with a, a fumble, so you got to credit the defense there. But uh, Penn State's defense cannot 
afford to give up some long touchdown drives or scoring drives uh, to this Memphis team because if Memphis can strike early, uh, they're going to feel a lot more confident moving forward. And they've got a lot of players that are going to be worth watching. They've got some really good wide receivers in Devontae Coxie and Antonio Gibson. Uh, Coxie over 1,000 yards receiving this year, nine touchdowns. Uh, Gibson, uh, 636 yards, eight touchdowns. So either one of them can uh, cause some problems for that Penn State secondary that has had some problems tracking footballs and reacting to routes that are being run and letting some streaky receivers get by them. So Memphis needs to go into that same playbook that has worked so well for at times for Minnesota and even Indiana uh, because Penn State's defense is going to have some Tighten some things up. And Memphis can also run the football. Obviously, running the football defensively is something that is a, usually a strength for Penn State. Uh, but they will have their work cut out for them. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, a freshman, over 1,400 rushing yards this year, 12 touchdowns. So uh, Memphis has a good round, ground game. They've got a good passing game. It is going to be a real challenge, I think, for Micah Parsons and Eder Gross Matos in his final game. Uh, these Penn State defenders are going to have their work cut out for them. It all starts up front. If they can create pressure and force Brady White to uh, have some chaos in the backfield, that is going to be the key because if he is comfortable and he's going to find his receivers, uh, that could be some trouble for Penn State. Of course, Penn State with football. Of course, we know that uh, Sean Clifford uh, looks like he's going to be back and ready to go. Uh, we obviously have a new offensive coordinator or an interim offensive coordinator taking over right now. Tyler Bowen taking over for Ricky Ronnie, who's left to take on the head coaching responsibilities at Old Dominion. I don't anticipate a whole lot changing with the offense in this one game. I think a lot of it's going to be pretty similar to what we've seen all season long. But I would not be surprised. This is the kind of situation where maybe you throw in a couple of wrinkles that we haven't seen all season. Maybe you take Memphis by surprise uh, at some point in time. Uh, that I would not throw that by Penn State one bit. I think that that is entirely in play here. As uh, we get an interim uh, offensive coordinator seeing what he can do. Obviously, he's not going to be getting the job, but uh, certainly he can be a, a good, valuable member to the staff and try to keep things together. But Sean Clifford being back and healthy, having the time off, uh, he got beat up a lot <laughs> down the stretch of the season. Uh, I think that that'll bode well for him. I think, uh, obviously, K.J. Hamler is going to have to be the big streaky guy. Uh, you get some speed uh, behind these Memphis defenders. I think that you can make some big things happen. And obviously, K.J. Hamler, his explosiveness is going to be a big key here. Uh, for Penn State, but also getting just uh, you know, Patrick Fryermuth, getting him involved, getting him in rhythm, that's going to be huge. I think that's going to be difficult for Memphis to slow down. I don't look at Memphis as a defensive juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination, but you've got a, a big tight end and a speed of wide receiver. Those are two weapons that you have to have, but I still think that Penn State's going to need a wide receiver to make some plays. Uh, so I do feel good about their running game. I, whoever's running the football, uh, whether it is uh, excuse me, whether it is uh, Journey Ford, or I'm sorry, Journey Brown, or uh, Noah Kane, Devin Ford is what I meant to say, or Ricky Slade. I think all four of them could uh, be a factor here in this game, and they'll all contribute, I should say. Um, but obviously, Journey Brown has been the guy that has emerged here. I am curious about Noah Brown. Are we going? I'm sorry, Noah Kane. I wonder if we'll get this chance to see him run the football a little bit more. Obviously, he's been a little reduced in playing time in the second half of the season, despite some glimpses early on, but. Penn State's running game should not be a real issue here. That's something you can rely on, I think, and probably depend on at times in this game against Memphis. Uh, but I do think that it's going to be key for one other wide receiver to help move the football at times, uh, other than KJ Hamler and Pat Fryer. Now, you know, Nick Bowers may be that guy, but I would still like to see another wide receiver or two 
uh, make a couple of grabs here and help Sean Clifford out in moving the football. But bottom line is this. Penn State has the overall strength here on defense, and that is going to be key because this Memphis offense is good. They will get their points, but I do think that Penn State's defense is going to be able to tackle them and track them down just enough, certainly in the second half, make a couple adjustments after uh, an iffy first half maybe. But I do think Penn State's defense, especially up front, will be uh, a difference maker. I think that that will help pave the way for a win here for Penn State. I've got Penn State winning 34-20. to um, and I don't think it's going to be that big of a wide margin for the majority of the game. I think it's going to be a close, tight-knit game, probably going into the fourth quarter. I just think that Penn State pulls away, and maybe they get a late score to kind of add to the, to the lead a little bit to maybe get that cover. But this is going to be a battle, especially that first half. I, I really like this Memphis team. I really do, and I think they're going to be prepared and equipped to give Penn State some real trouble at the start of the game. So that's why it's a very important that Penn State's offense gets off on the right foot. I do think the defense, even if they give up some big plays early on to this uh, these Tigers, I do think that they are they can be counted on to adjust on the fly as the game progresses. And ultimately, I think that defensive front is going to be the big difference maker for a Penn State victory in the Cotton Bowl, giving Penn State two New Year's Six Bowl victories in the last three seasons. Not a lot of schools can say that. Outside of a guy like Nick Saban or Dabo Swinney, uh, not a whole lot of coaches can say that. So we'll see where this uh, ends at the end of the day. But I do think that Penn State gets the win in the Cotton Bowl. First win in the Cotton Bowl since the 1974 season is what I'm predicting. But of course, we'll talk about it all on Monday as we recap everything that goes down in this Cotton Bowl. But I am on the record. Penn State 34, Memphis 20. That's my pick. Let me know yours by tweeting at us with your final score predictions at Locked On Nittany. Coming up in our next segment, we'll take a look at some of the other bowl games that are going on this weekend, including the college football playoff semifinals, where Ohio State looks to carry that Big Ten banner into the playoff and uh, see if they can actually score some points this time. I think they will score a couple points at least, but we'll talk about that in the next segment. The Cotton Bowl is just one of four games being played this Saturday as the college football bowl season continues. And of course, the highlight of the day outside of Penn State's appearance in the Cotton Bowl, of course, will be the college football playoff semifinals that are going to be played later that day. But before we get to that, there's one other bowl game that's being played at the same time as the Cotton Bowl. So if you're looking for something to go back and forth between on commercial breaks, you can check out number 15 Notre Dame taking on Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl down in Orlando, Florida. Notre Dame is a three and a half point favorite in this game. And you know what? I just feel like they cover that one for some reason. Iowa State, for so many reasons, including Brock Purdy, should be able to give Notre Dame some trouble here. But there's just something about the Notre Dame defense where I think that they will be able to take care of some business. I know Virginia gave them a scare. I know Michigan shredded them uh, early in the season. But you know what? I just feel like there's something about that Notre Dame defense that I think is going to shine through in this particular matchup and give Iowa State a lot of trouble here defensively and for no real reason other than just a gut instinct I think Notre Dame wins this game and I think they win this game by more than three and a half points so I've got Notre Dame covering against the Cyclones but you know what I'm sure everyone listening to this is probably going to be rooting for Iowa State anyway but I think uh, there's potential for this one to be fun but I don't think it's going to be as fun as it potentially should be so 
for that reason alone, I think the the Cotton Bowl of Penn State and Memphis is, you know, without any bias, I think it's going to be the more entertaining game going on at noon. No matter which game you're watching, though, it's going to be treated as the appetizer for the main course that day, which, of course, will be the college football playoff, which I get. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I just I understand that this focuses so much on the college football playoff. And with only four games and two of them being the playoff games, it makes sense that we're going to be watching the Cotton Bowl and the Camping World Bowl. And it's all going to be uh, advertising, promotional uh, consideration for the college football playoff. So. Starting at 4 o'clock Eastern on ESPN in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl down in Atlanta, Georgia. It will be number four, Oklahoma, taking on number one, LSU. LSU, of course, led by former Ohio State quarterback Joe Burrow, who has won the Heisman Trophy this season. LSU is a big 13.5 point favorite in this game. I think that's a little disrespectful of Oklahoma I could because I don't like LSU's defense, although they have played better in, down the stretch of the season when things have started to tighten up a little bit in the playoff hunt. I do think that this, this LSU offense is going to score a lot of points. I think Oklahoma is going to be able to move the football. The key here is Jalen Hurts, as much as I respect this kid, uh, he's probably going to make a mistake at some point. <laughs> and that is going to be something that has been kind of the theme this season for Oklahoma. He has had a number of uh, turnovers. He's had some unfortunate moments that I'm sure he would love to have back that have led to games being closer or potentially uh, an upset in the making uh, as far as Oklahoma is concerned this season. So for that reason alone, I do think that LSU probably wins this game. I'm not going to say easily, and I'm not going to say comfortably because I do think Oklahoma covers the spread, but LSU is fully capable of uh, winning this game by double digits. So I do think that Joe Burrow puts on another show. He's going to get over 50, his over 50 touchdowns in this game. I'm sure of it, uh, but I just don't see how Oklahoma's defense, as good as they looked early on in the season, maybe it was a flawed vision because it doesn't look like this Oklahoma defense is going to be able to contain what LSU is about to do with their new and improved offense that we've seen this season. This LSU defense, and I'm sorry, this LSU offense is a much different animal than we've seen before. So I like LSU in this one. I, I really like LSU in this playoff field, but we'll take it one week at a time. And I do think that they take care of business against Oklahoma and get to their first college football playoff national championship game. This will, of course, also be LSU's first playoff game uh, in program history. This is their first playoff appearance. Every other team in this field has played in the playoff at least once. So let's go over to that other semifinal game where you've got the defending national champion, Clemson Tigers, at number three, taking on Big Ten champion number two, Ohio State, a matchup of 13-0 teams. And guys, I'm really excited about this game. I think this is going to be the best game because I think we've got the two most well-rounded teams from start to finish this season taking the field in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl out in Glendale, Arizona. Clemson has won 15 straight games uh, last year. They're looking to make it 15 more straight games. They've, so they've won, what, 28 straight games. Uh, this is the defending national champion. They've got Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. You know what they can do defensively. This is a very dangerous team. T. Higgins, my goodness, if you haven't watched him catch footballs, uh, you're in for a treat this weekend because he's probably going to make some highlight plays here. Uh, he's just a, It's just a remarkable 
what having a five-star quarterback and a five-star wide receiver can do to a team. And say what you will about Clemson's level of competition this season, it hasn't been great. I'm recording this as I'm watching Pitt struggle against Eastern Michigan in the Quick Lane Bowl, uh, with Eastern Michigan currently leading Pitt 20 to 17. So the ACC overall not very good, but Clemson, yes, very darn good. Uh, so I have no issues saying what you will about the level of competition but this Clemson team is for real they are legitimate national title contenders and they are a very strong team and you know what ever since the first playoff rankings came out when Penn State was ranked ahead of Clemson it just feels as though Clemson hit that next year maybe that was their wake-up call certainly Dabo Swinney used it as a rallying cry and I think his team has responded very well and I think they are playing some of the best football that we've seen around the country right now so they're rolling into this game they're ready to go. They're only a two-point favorite, though, but that's because Ohio State is a really good team. So I say that Ohio State's going to have their biggest test here. Uh, obviously, Penn State gave them a battle. Michigan did for about a quarter and a half. <laughs> but I do think that this Clemson team, it's certainly the most talented team that Ohio State has faced this season. As talented as Ohio State is, though, this is also the most talented team that Clemson has faced. So Justin Fields at quarterback has had a terrific season, but he hasn't faced a defense quite like Clemson's. You know, J.K. Dobbins is going to have to work really hard to get those yards. I think he'll get some, uh, but this Clemson defense is going to be focused on not allowing J.K. Dobbins to make some big plays. And then, of course, uh, on offense, Clemson's going to have their work cut out for him with Chase Young. But you know what? This offensive line is pretty darn good, and they're not going to allow Trevor Lawrence to be knocked down by Chase Young as, uh, very often, uh, as good as he is. Uh, so I think, I think Clemson wins a tight one here. You know, a two-point favorite? I think that line is pretty spot on. Uh, it might even be closer than that. But I do think that Clemson narrowly gets out of Glendale with the victory against the Buckeyes. So I think we got a little bit of a higher scoring game than a lot of people are anticipating. I'm thinking the first team to get to 33 points is going to be the winner here. Uh, I think they're both capable of putting up that number. I think Clemson gets there first, and I think they may be the only one to get there. I'm thinking 33-31 as a final score here, and I think that Trevor Lawrence leads Clemson back to the national championship game where they'll take on an undefeated SEC champion ready to go for all the marbles, but we'll talk about that game next week. So I've got Ohio State losing to Clemson. I've got LSU beating Oklahoma, setting up an LSU-Clemson national championship game. I've got Notre Dame winning in the Camping World Bowl. And as I said earlier, I've got your Penn State Nittany Alliance taking care of the Memphis Tigers in this weekend's Cotton Bowl. So those are my bold picks for this Saturday. And, of course, come back on Monday. We'll talk a little bit about everything that went down this weekend. And then we'll start to turn the page for where Penn State's going to be going in 2020 so lots of stuff to look forward to on the podcast moving forward and we're still kind of going through the holiday season so bear with us but we are putting out some episodes for you making sure we got your nittany lines covered as much as we possibly can this time of year so i appreciate you guys sticking with us and we look forward to doing this more uh, very soon so with all that out of the way guys i'm going to shut down this episode thank you so much for tuning in and listening and subscribing and rating and reviewing we're on all your favorite podcasting mediums such as iTunes and Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and you can add our RSS feed to any other podcasting app if I didn't mention it. You can also follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. And stay tuned. We may have some other things coming up very soon for 2020. So lots of stuff to look forward to. 
I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Check out my game preview and other national coverage on AthlonSports.com as well as College Football Talk on NBCSports.com. And again, like I said, you can follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. So, guys, have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the playoff games this weekend. We'll talk about it all in Monday's episode, so make sure you come back for that. And then again next week, another holiday with the New Year's holiday coming in. We might have a little bit of an adjusted schedule, but bear with us. We will definitely be back on Monday. Looking forward to recapping everything that goes down in this weekend's Cotton Bowl. So until Monday, have a great weekend. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you later.